know. It's the American Soccer Show. Eric Alcanta, Evan McConnell here with new intro music for a very important time of year. Very important sounding music for this time of year. And and we always we always give new things to the fans. New music, new logos, new time zones. New time zones. Always savings. Oh, yeah. Well, that in South Africa and all that stuff. But always exciting times in the American Soccer Show. And the fans always get a lovely treat every time they tune in. It's true. And our producer are always working so hard on the production value of the show. Yeah, we need to give our producer a raise because doing a terrific job. As always, doing a terrific job. So getting getting to the, to the action, so to speak, because uh, last Halloween was not uh, the best day for Emmett. Are, are you okay? No, I'm not. But not because of the not because of that the the game. It was uh I went for a game drive this weekend and dropped my phone. Broke the screen. It's repaired now. But you never you never realize how much you miss Wi-Fi and data and Google until it's gone. Completely agreed because like I was thinking about it the other day waiting in the doctor's office like what like what what was I going to do to buy time? If I didn't have my phone, I was like, how did people used to live like this? You better hope there's some good magazines to read. Oh, goodness. Who reads? That's a good question. Yeah. Well. But one for another time. Yeah, no, well, go make sure you read the, the good stuff at Prost America. You, make, you read that. And listen, don't forget to listen, because yeah. they have some great audio content as well, yeah. I hear. I, I'm given to understand. So it's election day here in the good old U.S. of A., so if you haven't gone to vote, make sure you vote. If you can vote, and more importantly, if you live in Miami or if you live in San Diego, make sure to vote yes for soccer. Vote yes for stadiums because some very exciting things going on there. Well, I am given to understand the the stadium in Miami is less of a vote for the stadium and more of a vote for can they do it without being uh, without being subject to a bidding process. I finally understood what's actually on the ballot. So, yes, it's and meanwhile, San Diego is more of a competition bid. Um, against a stadium for San Diego State football. Um, both could get turned down, but if they both get voted, I think they have to have one go through. Yeah, I think the majority of the votes have to be for Soccer City or for the San Diego State one. So like I said, vote for you know the soccer one, I guess. I, I, I mean, I don't think MLS will pick the other one if that one gets voted for because they won't have control of the stadium and they'll have to share it with San Diego State, which is not ideal. They'll have the football lines all the time. And uh, with so many great uh, cities and bids starting to come out, uh, MLS being a very hot property these days, uh, you really need to get everything in everything in order to to make yourself a viable candidate. Yeah. Well, speaking of getting things in order, I think it's time we jump into the uh, MLS playoffs, which means it is time, unfortunately, to talk about NYCFC's three-one win over the Philadelphia Union, where it seems like they've gotten their stuff in order. Uh, they came out firing on all cylinders, really. They bombarded the Union, got on the board early, thanks to Chijuri Shrade. Uh, the Union just had no answer for any of it. Defense was carved like a pumpkin on Halloween. Oh, topical. Topical jest right there. It was. But, I mean, yeah, the NYCFC were better. Uh, the game went pretty much exactly how I expected, to be honest. 3-1 yet again. Pr- I would say it's pretty, pretty well-deserved and pretty evident now that New York City are 3-1 to one better than the Union at Yankee Stadium. Uh, they, they were definitely the better team now. There is, I wanted to call some attention, even though it's kind of a moot point now. 
It was all NYCFC in that first half, but there was an attack by the Union that probably should have resulted in a penalty. Ben Sweat just lays out Alejandro Bedoya three or four seconds after the ball is gone. So no call from the referee, no VAR awarded penalty, and I, I think the Union should probably feel a little hard done by that one. Yeah, that was an absolutely terrible call. I, I, I'm not usually one to question the refs, but I thought that there were some uh, odd calls that game uh, and for New York City's other game, uh, which we'll get to. Um, interesting, but, uh, I mean, when you when you have the home field advantage, you do get to play on that postage stamp field. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you're more likely to get some calls to swing your way. Um, and then the announcers that game were basically just saying, like, oh, the union must feel so disappointed they're not getting any calls. Um, but, you know, those little ones are... You know, they come and go. They don't make that big a difference. The penalty call was a big one, and I'm really surprised VAR didn't pull it back. I still don't think it would have made a difference. NYC was still better. Yeah, that, that's a fair point to make. I don't know that it would have made a massive difference. It happens to me in FIFA all the time, by the way. I'll go in for a tackle. The guy will get rid of the ball, but my player, instead of, like, pulling back, will just attack them anyway. A little bit of delay. Yeah, it'll just attack them when the ball's already gone. Like, the play will have finished, the guy will have missed, and then the referee's like, nope, penalty. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. There were some older versions where if the ball, like, had gone out of play or um, certain other things after, like, the ball was played from the cross or whatever, you could slide through someone and absolutely take them out without getting a call. They just don't make them like they used to. So yeah, maybe they uh, the referee this game was just kind of looking back to FIFA 14 and 15 and thinking that's how it should be done. <laughs> well, that's 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 rough, and uh, we'll 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 get the obituary out for the union soon enough. We move on to the other game on that spooky Halloween night. FC Dallas lose to Portland 2-1 at home. Dallas looked like they were going to get on the board 12 minutes in, but VAR waved it off. So Dallas was rolling. Before this, and that disallowed goal completely shifted the momentum in Portland's favor because Diego Valeri, off a free kick later on, scored a golasso in the 23rd minute. Great strike. It was beautiful. Perfect strike. And he really steps up in these games, doesn't he, in the playoffs? Yes, he does. Valeri. Because he didn't stop there. Valeri is Mr. November, apparently. Yeah, I mean, or the Portland in this case, October, good... or whatever. Close enough, and I was November 1st for me. Ah, okay. uh, he does well, get another one. Fair. He does get another one later on in the game. Dallas, they did. They had their moments, and this game was not was not ever really out of reach because Larry Smibiala got sent off in the 57th minute. Dallas continued to be dangerous, and Dominic Baji gets behind, played behind the defense. So this is how it happens. Mabiala pulls him down from behind. It's an easy call for the official. And so Dallas were playing up a man the rest of the game. And it's like you said, Diego Valeri, big, big players show up for big games. Come off a counterattack with 10 men. Ibo Bise wins the 50-50 ball, squares it for Valeri. There you go, 2 nothing. And, I mean... Can't say we didn't really see this one coming with Dallas and how they went into this game. Yeah, their form was pretty shocking going in, but I I don't know. Like, I could have seen this kind of game coming, but Dallas was so shocking in the final third. I mean, nothing they did had any end product. The shots they had, completely wasted. They're up a man. They can't finish anything. They have shot them 21-5. to Yeah, but I, I still don't think Dallas were really... Looking all that likely to, even with the even with man up, even with all the shots, 
Uh, I mean, they're one good opportunity. Uh, you mentioned earlier, I think. Um, Atanella makes a save and it just goes off his face and off to the crossbar. I mean, kind of that kind of night for Dallas and for Portland, yeah. but. Well you, well, you do bring up Atanella, who had a great night, I'd say, between the posts, all things considered. Dallas couldn't find their way through him. The end of the game was basically a nonstop barrage of shots that came his way. And I think, I, I think you're being a little harsh. I think the last, like, 10 minutes, Dallas really looked like they were going to get another one. But they just, the difference just wouldn't go is, in. They didn't have a Mr. November plus one day. This is true. Uh, in Valeri. Dallas, they got shots, but they always seemed to rush them. They always seemed to uh, look unsure when they took the shot. Just tried hitting the target. Just trying to get their foot onto the ball. And they gave Atanella chances to make these saves. And I'm not trying to take anything away from him because he's still got to do that. Uh, but they did get some opportunities. We have to think he got to put them into the corner. And the players looked very rushed, very flustered as it came to them. Whereas Valeri, no mistake with his two shots, cool, calm, collected the whole way. Yeah, and so I think the game ended with like seven minutes of stoppage time or something crazy like that. So in the 94th minute, Matt Hedges finally broke through for Dallas. But it was it was too little too late, and they'd wind up losing the game. Uh, I'd say good news for Portland because in the sense that so much this season we've kind of talked about and we've seen them kind of collapse in those late-game situations because they're not very good defensively and at times have been very poor defensively. It was what kind of got them off to a terrible start to start the season was that they couldn't keep teams out of the back of the net. And I think to defend for their lives here at the end was probably a little good for them to see that they can do it because they're going to need to be able to do it again at some point if they want to win this whole thing. Uh, the, the bad news is I don't think anyone else is going to be as forgiving to Portland as Dallas were. Dallas forgave them many, many times for mistakes that they made on the defensive third. Yeah, I mean, as much of this was a Portland win, it was a Dallas loss. I think Dallas backing into the playoffs, terrible form, um, playing at home, and, you know, they lose without really ever looking like they were... Um, it, it never looked like they were going to go through. They were rushed. They were uh, forcing the issue, whereas Portland seemed much more, even even defen- in defense, um, looked more confident, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Do I, think, you, I think that was more of a Dallas loss than a Portland win. I was going to say, do you think the pressure of the regular season carried over to them where they just – they felt the, the walls kind of caving in on them with all the bad results they had to finish the season? having gone from the top seed in the West to hosting a knockout game? Well, you could see it that way, or you could see it as they uh, were just in bad form. They weren't getting results. They just weren't finding the back of the net. Things weren't going their way. Uh, So as much of it could be seen as mental, and other bits were uh, some tactical and technical things where they just weren't weren't getting things right. Uh, So I I think it was a combination of both, but... um, that's it's pretty. I mean, we we predicted it going in. It was pretty indicative of their run into the playoffs. Uh, anything other, I think, would have anything else. I think would have been a bit of a surprise. That's true. Very true. I would have been surprised to see them be able to come out on top. So I wanted to talk a little bit about these two games together because they both had the same issue, and that is these horrifically sparse crowds. Now Dallas, a little more so than NYCFC. Or at least it's harder to tell with NYCFC because of their stadium thing that has people spread out all over the place because of the way the baseball stadium is set up. But like, it's such a bad look. 
I hate to I hate to do that, but like, because like in the regular season, I'm I'm always willing to listen to the excuses like, oh, the team's never marketed well. It's a weekday. It was Halloween. It's a late kick in Dallas. Like all those things, I try to keep them in my head. But I'm like, man, it's just does no one care that this could be the last it, game of the season? It's always been that way uh, for for these play-in games. It's more often than not, it's. I would say under the average for that team. Um, and as much as you're like saying, oh, you don't want to blame it on all these factors, it is because of that. It is because it's midweek. The season just ends, right? You don't get a little period where the league starts hyping it off like MLS playoffs coming now. Yeah, like, but like it, like baseball does it. The wild card game, like the season ends on Sunday and the baseball wild card game is Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, but you're not – but ESPN, Fox – uh, every talk show, every that, okay, yeah. commercial you see on any of those is going to be hyping up what's going to be happening, and MLS just doesn't have that. There was a tweet from Julian Gressel. Um, I don't know if you've seen this. I did see talking that, yes. ab- with saying uh, it's MLS playoffs. He's been you know tuning into ESPN and Fox. Hasn't heard a single thing about it. Like I get it if your program doesn't want to contribute to it, but uh, you know MLS has is like half half a marketing company with SUM, they very easily could um, start marketing this more. I don't know. I think that's their next step in growing uh, popularity is the playoffs because that's where it's the most exciting. That's true. Uh, these knockout games, like it's a one-off. Anything can happen. We've seen so- – these these games tend to have the craziest things happen. Do you remember the double post thing from a couple years ago? I they, you know, MLS made a nice little mini documentary about it, and it's like, I mean, that how how does that not resonate? Like that doesn't matter. Even if you don't like soccer, you would see that and think, "Wow, that's crazy!" The guy hit the post twice, and it still didn't go in. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's for me the most exciting situation is a do or die, win or go home. Um, you know, for as much as a seven game series can be interesting because it's more fair. It doesn't really have that until you get to, you know, a game where someone's about to be eliminated. But even if they win, they got to keep winning because they're about to get eliminated the next game. That's why college basketball is so fun. That's why football playoffs are fun. Um, it's There's so much more on the line. And the, that's why I enjoy these games a lot. It's just, it is a shame that there isn't, there isn't any, att- att- you know, attendance. There's no marketing. There's no concerted effort to be like, this is our moment in the season. This is a bit. This is our biggest game, basically. So I grant you that those things are, you know, are definitely factors. But then we look at Thursday's action: DC United and Columbus Crew. That two-two draw that went to penalties that Columbus ended up winning in penalties. That stadium looked pretty full, and as did the next game uh, in LA. Now I get it; those are two new. Like you know, DC's got their new stadium. They're hot. Everybody wanted to see them, and you know, LAFC. Everything they do is you know they touch and turns to gold. So of course everyone showed up. But I'm just saying they did it. Yeah, but they do it every game. Um, well, Dallas never does it. I guess I'll give you that. But NYCFC usually draws a pretty decent crowd. They they could be decent, but I don't know if it's a fact of the Wednesday games or the versus the Thursday games, but. You know, the fans in D.C. were really excited about after that terrible stretch. They start really putting together some good performances, and I think Audi Field has been some as much of a draw as Wayne Rooney for them. Same thing with LAFC. Um, it's, it's a fan base that's really deeply passionate. 
Whereas not, nothing against Dallas or NYCFC, they have good fans. They can they can show up on their day. Uh, but unless there's even for a playoff game, unless everything is given forward to that marketing, um, you know, getting even giving away tickets as some situations call for, uh, they're not going to be able to draw like those teams. That's fair. All right, so let's talk about the action here because at Audi Field, first playoff game ever at Audi Field, and uh, it delivered. I'd say it had just about everything you could ask for. It goes all the way to the shootout. Has the opening, the scoring opening by two Argentine players on each side. So Lucho Acosta it gets up, uh, or so he sets it up anyway, I should say. Uh, Zach Steffen does try to get a hand on it, or he, it looks like he tried to catch it, and I guess that was probably not the best idea because he doesn't end up being able to catch it. It goes through, and uh, it is Briante there for the finish. Yeah, a little uh, odd moment from Stefan there is usually pretty good, especially in the playoffs. Uh, but then Higuain, yes, how good is he? Like he been for Columbus in the playoffs? Let's, I'm I'm gonna go on record and I'm gonna say it now, and I don't care what anybody has to say about it. Federico Higuain is better than Gonzalo Higuain. There's not a doubt in my mind anymore. He is the Higuain he, currently. Yes, and he's been a talisman in Columbus. Uh, generally, fairly overlooked um, for the most part. I think in terms of tens across the league, you know, he's not like Acosta, who's very flashy. Uh, he has his moments, uh, and he's not going to get as many goals and assists because of the system. But, you know, he comes through again. Yes, uh, Federico Higuain does seem to have a penchant for big-time goals. And then it was Justin Miram had a chance to put them ahead. And uh, oh, it was one of those chances that it's harder to miss than it is to make. And unfortunately for him, he missed it. Yeah, I mean, credit for him, he's been important for the crew coming back but oh situations like that yeah this is a pretty physical one this game does get to extra time uh superior Iguain, that's what i'm going to call him from now on superior Iguain strikes off a cross beautiful header it was just beautiful it's a great header 96 minute i i nearly shed a tear i'm always i'm always down for a good header i mean ah that's i'm with it he's not a big guy you know you think gonzalo he's like over six foot federico is a little tiny guy and sometimes you don't notice it. He's like 5'8", so him winning a header, that's pretty impressive. It is. And so at this point, I thought it was going to be tough for D.C. United to get back in. They were clearly gassed by this point, I think. And I think it's important to bring that up because we've talked about it a lot in the buildup that while having all those games in hand was going to be nice and them getting to the playoffs, it was also going to mean more games in a shorter amount of time than everyone else in the rest of the league. And I think it finally caught up to them here because they their legs were just gone by this point. It's a high-intensity game. It's in the playoffs. Uh, Olsen does demand a lot of his guys. Uh, but, I mean, you get to penalties, you get to penalties. doesn't really... Yeah. They, they they pull it back. They did pull it back because... It was Nick, amazing. Nick DeLeon, who my dad and I were watching the game together, and so he had to come in for Ariola and play right back. This guy, my dad had just... He had already eviscerated him three or four times, saying that this guy was just garbage. So, naturally... He comes in after that and just a beautiful one-time half volley past Stefan. I mean, he could do that thing a thousand times again. Nobody around him, and he probably would never be able to score like that again. And in that moment, not just scoring with that ability, but in the moment how important it was. And he's like one of the few guys who's been through the, the real lows that DC had. And there were moments when they were terrible, and he was like the talisman on the team. Yes. Very important player. Now he's a bit bit player. Yeah, they brought in all these guys. 
Well, good to have that guy playing right back uh, off the bench, I suppose, because it worked out for them here. And so that does bring us to the shootout. And unfortunately, Nick DeLeon went from goat to hero and then back to goat because he's the one that puts the ball over the uh, over the net, over the posts, and ends up losing the game for DC United. And uh, you know, I mentioned it last week. DC could have similar struggles to what Atlanta did. They go out in a similar fashion in their first playoff game at their home stadium, just like Atlanta. And I. I I said watch out for Columbus because Burhalter knows how to get it done in the yes, playoffs. And there's not many managers in this league who, you know, treat each game as it comes. A lot of them play each game like it's a regular season game, like it's a long haul. They don't really make a lot of changes depending on what they need. Curtin, for example, is one of them. Um, I don't, can't say enough about Olsen because he hasn't been in the playoffs much, but Burhalter, man, that guy. He knows how to get it done, and that's why we said master. I wouldn't want Columbus. I would, I would not want Columbus for that very reason. And so in the shootout, I have to mention it, Superior Higuain did score his penalty, something Gonzalo As, would never be able to do in a big-time situation. In fact, I think Messi should personally ask for Federico to be called up. I mean, isn't that what they're missing, a great number 10 playmaker <laughs> who could feed Messi? That's Federico. And man. I think the worst part about this shootout for D.C. United is that their two best players, Wayne Rooney and Lucho Acosta, both missed their penalties. Absolutely. Well, had their tough. penalties saved, I guess I should say, but yeah, not not Rooney's a good was day. good. Yeah, but Rooney's uh, was but, a big save by Stefan, but Lucho Acosta's was terrible. Not very good, but we do know Stefan is very good in these situations. Another reason why he's in the U.S. Uh, camp, but Columbus and getting it done in penalties on the road in knockout games. Name. A better duo. I can't. Other than maybe Patrick Mullins missing a penalty while the wind moves the ball. It got so windy that the ball actually left the spot while the guy was running up to kick it. And that's, I mean, I, I have to give you this. Normally, I'm not one to make excuses on penalty misses. I'll give it to, I'll give it to him on that one. I'll, he'll, he's, he'll, he'll, ever, he'll forever get a mulligan in my heart because the Pat, ball Patrick moving, Mulligan yes, Mullins. He, the ball moves before he kicks it. I mean, what do you want the guy to do? Was, uh, I've I never mean, seen anything like that. There there was one penalty. I forget which game it was in. I think it was in the Copa America Centenario where someone soared it and everyone said, like, how can you do that? How can you do that? And someone looked and analyzed it and put the footage up really close and slowed it down. And as his plant foot comes, I think as it was, they put artificial gra- they put grass over the original surface. It just pops the ball up ever so slightly, causing him to shoot over. Ah, yeah. I remember Ronaldo did that on purpose once. He popped the ball up and smashed it. Yeah, and so it's, I mean, sometimes you really can't tell what the situation is. Um, but, yeah, it's, sometimes you got to keep your eye on the ball. Everyone wants to look at the goalie and try to guess, get them to go the wrong way. Yep. All right, so the other game of the night, LAFC 2, Real Salt Lake 3. Uh-huh. Well, how do you feel about this one? I have been thinking about what I was going to say this entire time, and I, honestly, now that I'm sitting here staring at it, I mean, you know, obviously I've got my, my notes about the game and all that, and it's full of me just kind of yelling like, this, 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 this is not happening. This cannot possibly happen. And yet, here we are. Not only did this happen, but it's almost to me undisputable that RSL were actually the better team here because, I look, why, why Diomande started this game, I have no idea. Christian Ramirez came on and made an immediate difference. He scores, and... and 
I just I, I really don't understand why Diamande was still starting at this point. It's not even like they don't even have other. It's not like Portland, who at one point probably didn't have another choice and had to keep Armenteros out there until Ibo Bise was deemed ready, right? Like this team has Christian Ramirez, it has Marcos Arena, and they just choose to play Diamande. The play, uh, the play of LAFC was extremely frustrating because RSL, I. RSL, I have to give them credit because they went in there and they did not change their game plan. It's like you mentioned, there are some coaches that don't treat it any differently. Well, Petke clearly doesn't care what game it is or what's on the line. He's playing his way. They're going out his way. And they went in there and they took it to LAFC. They said, we're going to lose. We're going to lose 6-5 if that's what it's going to take. And they, honestly, they did it in more style than I think any of these knockout games could have done. I mean, you know... Columbus going to Audi Field, that's not easy. Going to LAFC, that stadium is absolutely rocking. With how every terrible time. RSL were on the road all season long. Oh. Incredible. And the goals they scored. Yes. Oh, oh my goodness. I, Demir Krylak. <laughs> talk about a talk about a guy. It was a great cross by Brooks Lennon, by the way, who I think is gonna have to start getting some real attention because he this man can cross. <laughs> this this guy's this guy's a very dangerous crosser. I got to give it to him. So yeah, but Demir Krylak, yeah. great performance by him. Natural well. winger. Yep. Uh, but Krylak, um, man, ever since RSL moved him to false nine, they've been something else. It's, it was genius. And he's he's originally defensive mid, defensive mid, <laughs> moving to forward. What are the and odds? the things that he, the things that he and Albert Rusnak can do up top? I don't. I don't know if there's any other duo of attacking midfielder and other attacking midfielder who can do these things. Yeah. So there, there is one other thing to highlight here before we kind of give the give heap the praise on RSL, and that is to 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 scold the LAFC faithful that are throwing things on the field. Stop throwing things on the field. It makes you look bad. It makes everyone look bad. And you're just wasting everyone's time. They had to suspend the game for five minutes because they had to tell people to stop throwing things on the field. It's childish. It is. Seriously? You weren't even like, they just tied the game. And they were throwing things on the field. (laughs) It's selfish as well. It's just, you know, why? I don't what know. do you get out of it? I don't know. Uh, you get to look and say, oh, that piece of garbage in the field? That was me. I threw that. Hey, everybody. I hope they find the people and ban them for life because – maybe not life, maybe a season because, uh, you know, they they have enough support. They It would go a long way in my mind. It, sh- it really should happen. And I, I have to say, look, I, I, I saw the comments afterwards, all oh, the supporter section, you know, we're trying to find them. Like, I – I don't buy that. I'm sorry. Leadership, leader. there has got to be leaders in that supporters section that have to hold people accountable for what they do. You can't throw things on the field. Like, I think Taylor Twelman said it pretty well. He said, you know, you say whatever you want. You bought your ticket. You know, it is what it is when you say things. When you start throwing things, that's when it gets out of hand. You know, you could hurt people. You could, you, no, you not really could it, hurt someone. Not only do you slow the game down... Do you just kind of make more work for other people? But you can hurt someone. It's, uh, it's unacceptable. It's never. It's not a good look. And honestly, uh, you go out. You look even worse when you go out afterwards. You do. You look very petulant when your team loses and you're throwing things on the field. Yeah, completely agreed. So LAFC going down. I'm saying a bit of disgrace, honestly, because not only are their fans throwing stuff on the field, but they can't even. Uh, you can't even beat. 
RSL at home. Uh, Which, to be honest, this you know we gave this as probably one of the easier matchups for LAFC, uh, and the first one I got wrong in my bracket, unfortunately. But no, tr- uh, no trip to MLS Cup for you, huh? Yeah, I'm still ranked pretty high. I'm I'm 200 out of 25,000 or something, because I correctly guessed Columbus, and I think most people did not. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good one. But but this is another one of those tough ones to see coming. But RSL, man. RSL. So congratulations to Nate Smith out there for his incredible work with that team as always. And that's all I got. I look, congratulations to them because they, look, they earned it. They absolutely deserve to win, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, and I mean, the goals they score are, you know, they're not they're not doing it in a boring way. No, they they're do not. not. They're not doing it. Nothing this team does scrappy. is boring. Nothing. And especially the res- the reactions we get out of you after they win. That's probably <laughs> the most exciting thing. Oh my goodness. Well, anyway, <laughs> well, there's more. There's there's still more because we got Sunday's action to look at. Uh, Columbus. I would like to oh, highlight on. one thing. Sorry, is that. With LAFC losing at home, three of the four home teams lost. That's true. That never happens. We always always talk about home field advantage. And the only team not to get it done on the road was the Union. I don't know if that's... <laughs> well, we knew that wasn't going to be worried about that. Well, maybe the Union should have been able to play LAFC. Maybe they could have gotten that one. Uh, uh, yeah, unlikely, but <laughs> just an interesting tidbit how much we talk about how important it is to play at home. I think they said the average is like one road team generally wins in the knockout round every year and now this year yeah. there were three and very nearly four if you think that the union could have gotten that penalty and turned that game around and i think it's a matter of some teams maybe taking it you know for granted when you have a home game yeah. especially one knockout given how great most of their home records were i mean well no more of that one game nonsense no more of that one game nonsense we got two legs for this next round Which is also good. I talk, I like one games, but two legs, two legs keep it interesting as well. I'm okay with it. It's it's fine. I don't have anything against it. I think it's fine that the MLS Cup final is one game, and I'm fine with the knockout rounds being one game and the two legs being in the middle. I think it's fair. It's good, and it makes it is fair. Both, and you get teams that get to play home and away. Yeah, now the Columbus Crew get a home game, and I think they thoroughly deserve a home game now that they've gone to DC United and won. I think that's a fair. A prize, I'd say, because even if they don't advance, at least they got another home game. And in a world where you know their home games matter again, that's good because they uh, not only did their home game matter, they pretty good crowd, not a not a full crowd, not yet. Looks like there's still some people that are waiting for pre-court to just be 100% out before they go back, which is fine. I would prefer at this point to go support anyway because at, at this point, why not, right? Yeah. It looks like they've been saved. I, I guess I understand the let's wait till it's official, though. I can I can respect that. So, But a classic crew performance in this one. This is, this is why you and I talked about wouldn't really want the crew at any point in the playoffs because they are so dangerous. Now, across two legs, I think you can get them. But and the Red Bulls now have no easy task going back to Harrison, New Jersey next week because they're down one nothing, And they lost to a Columbus team that did not start Pedro Santos, did not start Federico Higuain, a.k.a. AKA Superior Higuain, for Columbus until the second half. They didn't make an appearance. And even despite this, the crew held on. Higuain enters the game, played in Giassi's artist on a beautiful flick, and that's number oh, 20. That one. That's number 20. So even getting past Federico's great performance, Giassi's artist now has 20 goals this season. 
gotta be in the American camp come, Jan- I, come he uh, absolutely January. Will be in the American camp in January, especially if it's Burhalter as the manager. There's not a doubt in my mind. And I, I let me say this about Burhalter because I know there's going to be a lot of people that are upset when I think he's inevitably named the manager because they're going to say, "Well, we waited a whole year for Greg Burhalter." Look, if you want to be mad about how long the process took or how on how no how there was little transparency in the coaching search, if you want to be mad about those things, I can I can respect that. But in terms of guys who are qualified to do this, at this point, I don't know how you argue with Greg Burhalter's qualifications in terms of just the way he he is going. He looks like he has his style of play, and that the U.S. desperately need a guy who is going to play a certain way, and he's going to train players to play a certain way. We have to have an identity out there. We did not have one under Klinsman. We didn't. Have, and I th- we did not have one under Bruce Arena, and we do not have one under Dave Sarikin. So I think it's there very was a, important. There was a. To be fair to Klinsman, there was a bit of an identity, but he. <laughs> He lost the plot somewhere along the way. That's fair. I do um, think that he tried to establish one, but he realized it wasn't there. And so instead of finding another one, he just decided, eh, we'll figure it out later. Things started going wrong. He didn't make changes. And then when he finally did make changes, they were haphazard uh, and without really a plan. I do think Burhalter's the kind of guy who can go in international management and get it done. Like this one nothing victory uh, against the Red Bulls' best team in the league. Uh, they got shut out, what, like three times all year? Yep, and here they are. And they, the crew get it done again. wouldn't let them pass. So, good for the crew. 93rd minute, I do want to point out, Zach Steffen, again, another guy who I would fully expect to be the full-time national team goalkeeper under Burhalter. Frankly, under anyone, to be fair. Uh, at this point, I think he's the most talented keeper in the pool. Big save. Might have saved the that whole tie for the crew. So difficult, coming back across him on that flick from Bradley Wright Phillips. And that... I think saves the crew's tie. Saves this tie for them uh, going into the next game. So it was 1-1. They have their work cut out. Yep. and now Absolutely phenomenal save. Now they, they have the advantage. I still favor the Red Bulls in the second leg. I do think they get the job done. I, I don't know that the crew are going to be able to go to uh, Harrison and Red Bull Arena and get it and get the result that they need. But I also would not be shocked to see the crew score an away goal, which would really put the onus on the New York Red Bulls needing three goals at that point. Uh, I mean, yeah, we yeah, we th- th- thought that going into um, DC, same thing. Gonna give DC the edge going, but crew, man, I still I can't go against them in these situations. You, you did mention, and it's a great point. Um, one game they can get it done, but two games, that's when you might be able to get after them. Um, you know, over a bit more of a longer haul. I still think the Columbus gets. Gets it done. All right. There they're, you go. They're the bane of New York and New York. <laughs> oh, the playoffs man. are also the bane. And so I tell you what. Let's, double trouble. There's one other thing that has to be brought up here because we have talked a lot about the crew. Let's talk a little bit about the Red Bulls because if they if they get knocked out here, they there's going to be a lot of finger pointing on that side. This team wins the Supporters' Shield again, and they don't even get past the semifinal round of the conference semifinals. That's that, – that, I, I can't imagine that'll go over very well over there. I just can't. Yeah, they break the point total, and they're going against a crew team who, I mean, no offense to them because, you know, I do sing their praises plenty, but uh, aren't exactly, you know, the the regular season crew, I guess we could call them before they got into the playoffs, weren't exactly much of a threat in the playoffs, different issue. But, yeah, there's... Then again, I think the fans are kind of used to this in New York or in New Jersey yeah. or wherever uh, Red Bull fans live these days. 
because that's a sad thought. It's every they're year used to it. Yeah, that's but it's true. It's hard to argue that they're not used to it because at this point they're pretty glutton for punishment. I'd say. But hey, they put themselves in this position every year to get it done. Maybe they get a little overconfident going in. I think they stick to their guns too much. They don't make adjustments as need as these single games are needed. I wish this. Um, I wish this New York Red Bulls team had shown up to Bridgeview last year. God. <laughs> Uh, but I think that's also on the fires oh, kinda, wow, yeah. as much as that. But, I mean, uh, we've seen in the past teams can take it to New York when they s- figure out their game plan and get it right. Uh, they, they can e- be countered. It's tougher than the regular season with these playoffs. It's um, it, it takes that kind of coaching to get a team past the first few games. Then to get to the final, take something else. So Chris Armas and his guys have their work cut out for them in that second leg. Moving on to Portland, 2-1 win over the Sounders at home. Sounders struck early with Raul Ruiz Diaz, who was doing Raul Ruiz Diaz things. Worst case start, I'd say, for Portland, given that this was such an early goal for Seattle, and you thought, oh boy, here we go. But seven minutes later, our boy, Jeremy Obobise, levels for Portland. Great running behind, Diego Valeri, Mr. November. Great pass. Uh, and Portland doing it again. Not enough can be said about Valeri. No, and this cannot. is former MLS MVP, who are you know gets a lot of plaudits, but this season's kind of gone under the radar. And Valeri uh, set up the second goal too. This is laid off for Sebastian Blanco, who also been under the radar, but very important. I love that guy. Uh, not going under the radar, Ebobise. This guy, this kid is getting a lot. Yes, he is getting a lot of, of love these days. Now. And well deserved. Well deserved. I agree. I agree. I was I was skeptical. A little bit when I saw the first couple games because I said that's that's a tough that's a tough ask for a guy his age to be the the main striker on a playoff team that you know strives to make a run. Good, he's he's passed with flying colors so far. He's got great hold up play. He makes good runs. Very intelligent player. I gotta say it. Uh, it's starting to look to me like he's also got to be in the conversation for being called up, especially in January for sure. But I think he's got to get a real look here because this striker pool right now is not very deep. Uh, I think that the competition should still very much be open for a guy like him. Absolutely. Um, and there'll be a lot of MLS guys in that camp, so I think he'll, him and Zardes, as we mentioned, should be early call-ups. Uh, the, the problem with Portland strikers, though, is we saw Fernando Addy uh, fall off uh, was it la- end of last year and kind of become non-effective. To the point where they sent him to saw Armenteros. Yeah, so we'll see how he does then. But we saw Armenteros, magic dwindled. I'm just, I'm just wondering how Bobisay can hold it up. I think both he, of those guys were so good for them. Yeah, but I'd like to see him continue. Armenteros to me, he always struck me as kind of this. Guy. I, I don't know. I was never really convinced that this guy was as good as he could be in that time. I don't. He did things that I thought were a bit unsustainable, and you know, Fernando Adi's Portland legend at this point. But he was getting up there in age. I, I think Bobisay has got a much higher ceiling than those two. That's a good point. I mean, I I agree with me about Armenteros. Adi is a bit, I think, is a bit tougher for me. Uh, but going back to the game just for a second, it's a win for Portland, but this isn't bad for Seattle. Uh, I I don't know. The result's not terrible, but the way this game ended, not not best because they did lose both Christian Roldan and Chad Marshall injury during the game. And this game's they're there they don't get till Sunday. They have to go they have to go Thursday. Marshall's so important for their backline. Roldan, I don't need to tell you how many chances he creates as a wide midfielder. So I'm, 
I got to I got to say I actually disagree. I think this is about the worst thing that could have happened to Seattle. I, I just mean the result the specifically. Okay, the result? Yeah, I mean, yes. Okay, so you lose Marshall. Um, whatever happened to Roman Torres, he's going to have to figure it out. Uh, Christian Roldan, same thing. Uh, I'm wondering how they'll, if they'll be able to figure that out. I think I think that you wanna, that'll be a bit easier to replace than Marshall. That said, now they get to go to home, and they just need one nothing. A team that's been very good defensively, okay, you're without your best defender. But... It's it's not a bad position to put yourselves in. The Red Bulls losing one nothing that's a tougher position because you got no road goals. Seattle here's got the goal on the road. I think I think it's going to help them in the end. We'll see. I I do think that Portland gets it done. Actually, believe it or not, I think Portland, despite the fact that this will be their fourth game in twelve days, we'll see if fatigue plays a factor on them. They showed they can defend for their lives in Dallas. I think they'll be able to do it again in Seattle. Interesting. Uh, I mean, they they haven't. Portland specifically hasn't given us any reason to doubt them. Uh, but I think Seattle has given me plenty of reason to trust them. So I, the way I think I mentioned Dallas lost the game against Portland. I think Seattle is going to be the ones that win it against Portland. Portland will play great, but I don't think that uh, they'll be as good as Seattle. We will see. I returned like that one on Thursday because of the car show. So that's great. Uh, NYCFC oh my God. <laughs> lose to Atlanta United at home, one nothing. So the baseball stadium voodoo seems to not affect Atlanta. It's an interesting tactical decision, I thought, by Tata Martino. He went to the five three two at Yankee Stadium. They, as far as you know, my extensive research, and by extensive research, I mean just kind of looking at places online that list the formations they've played throughout the season. This is the first time that they ran that out there this season, a 5-3-2. They used the returning Greg Garza and Franco Escobar as wingbacks, uh, midfield three of Gressel, Rometty, and Nagby, and then Martinez and Almiron kind of working as a two-striker pairing, Almiron obviously playing off of Martinez. They had a goal taken away by VAR. Now, I, I have it written down because of Lorenowitz. I, I actually watched the MLS. They have, like, a YouTube show where they have, like, a referee decisions that they discuss, right? Yes. I, I actually – pretty informative, actually. I should probably watch that every week. Uh, <laughs> they they actually mentioned that it's not – I had it listed as offside because Lorenowitz interfered with the play because he was sitting on the post when the ball came in and went over Sean Johnson's head. I, that's what I thought they called. Well, it turns out that they actually called it on the pet because they took the short corner. When the ball came back for Almiron, so the you know, short corner to one guy, that guy passed back to the guy who took the original short corner. That guy was offside. So that's why the goal had to be waved off. And I was like, oh, okay. This is a cool play. I will say that. It's a cool play because it's a short corner that leaves the two guys kind of isolated by themselves out there because the, the ball gets played and switched across the field, and then the cross comes in back the other way. Everyone's attention is already turned away from the two guys who took the short corner, so they're unmarked at the far post. I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty good, pretty good play. Yeah, I same thing. I saw that video, and it explained to me that's why he was called offside. I thought I originally was very, very confused by that call because no way I thought Lorenowitz got in the way. Um, so in the end, right decision. Yes. And impressive that it was caught. Yes. Very, very good job by VAR. That's what it's there for. Uh, because you know, eventually I'm thinking somebody would have like, you know, in years past that there would have been like a, a grainy video, like two days later saying this was an offside that was missed. And we all would have been like, ah, oh, darn it. You know, uh, darn NYCFC getting screwed at home. No, 
So good, good job by VAR. Uh, Atlanta really on the set pieces were making NYCFC miserable. They didn't score on many of them, but I mean, it looked like they were really dangerous most of the time on them. Not a good sign if you're NYCFC. And this isn't exactly an Atlanta team that is um, uh, massive by any means, uh, size-wise. So they really were very clever in getting all of these great opportunities. Uh, and I'm going to bring it back to the 5-3-2 that Tata brought in. Hey, change things up for one game. And it worked in the end, right? It, it absolutely worked, and it, and it makes one sense. One game mentality. It makes sense because, you know, we've seen teams try to pack the midfield at, at the uh, at the Yankee Stadium against NYCFC. But I, I do think it makes sense because, in this sense, he, he goes ahead and he tries to... He tries to pack the back, so to speak. He's got kind of versatile defenders that if, they, they, if NYCFC is bossing the midfield, they can move up a little bit and try to get them out of there. And if you know if they're getting caught behind the ball too much, they've got five defenders clogging up space back there. It's very hard to move. You know how reliant NYCFC are on moving the ball around the field. So yeah, it's a very good tactical decision in my opinion. Looking at the Union game, how often NYCFC players were able to split the center backs, get in the channels. By playing three at the back, five at the back, you ensure that doesn't happen. You ensure that they're not going to, uh, you know, David Villa isn't going to pull you up out of position and someone's going to run in behind like Tajori Strati. Uh, you ensure that you're not going to um, lose your shape in such a small field. Well, also, you know, um, of course, the duo of Almiron and uh, Martinez, you can just say, go and do your thing. Small field, we're not going to be able to pass it around them all that much. Do your best. Yep. And so Atlanta really just the better team here in every aspect. Uh, no shots on target for NYCFC at home. I would love to see the stat on how many times that happened this season. I can't imagine it was more than maybe one or two. Just no shots on target at home. That's crazy. Yeah, and Atlanta got it absolutely right. Uh, this was a dirty game, though. A lot of fouls, a lot of stoppages, yeah. and NYCFC did almost get one. That was called back. They did. Uh, the David Villa overhead kick, the bicycle, right, that ended up being called back because of they called it a dangerous play. Can't remember who it fell to, but. Yeah, and it was absolutely the right call. But credit, uh, you know, some NYCFC fans thought the ref was harsh on this game. I thought it was pretty fair, given that there was a couple high studs that went uh, unnoticed. Like David but... Villa, who later in the game probably should have been set off, given... He, his studs go straight into the back of an Atlanta defender. And, I, look, I know it's David Villa, and I know we all want a more, an entertaining second leg, but I'm just saying, in the regular season, I think the referee probably sends him off there. I, I think this is a situation of, and I know it's not really supposed to go this way, but of um, kind of the respect and pedigree of some of these guys. It, not as much that you, yeah, you don't want to send a player off in the playoffs, especially David Villa, but he's such a respected player. He's really not a dirty guy either. No, he, he does not have that history. I don't, I, I'm not, I, I would never think that he tried to do it on purpose, but he goes in, studs up into the guy's back. I, I do think it needs to be called. Yeah, it checks all the boxes. It's late, it's reckless, uh, studs up high, very high. Very high, yes. Uh, but I would like to say that, uh, you know, if this was uh, Gonzalo, Gonzalez Perez we'd probably be seeing a red card. Yeah, that's true. That That is unfortunately how it goes. Sometimes superstar calls. Superstars get the calls. Yeah, and, you know, just kind of their, their pedigree, their uh, status, what the refs expect from them. He's not a dirty player, so 
I'm okay with a you know the ref keeping guys on the field um, in playoffs unless that one. Yeah, I don't know. I think NYCFC got some good calls in the end. They were upset by the high kick, but more credit to Joseph Martinez because he does just jump into that. He basically sacrifices he knows he's himself gonna get, because he knows absolutely. he's going to take a hit. And but it's and he's just hoping to get the call or he's hoping to get in the way too. I mean, you know, it's not all just taking and a kick. And he, and he saves a goal. He does. So. And that's the kind of stuff that, you know, even though you're a superstar, those are some, those are difference makers because otherwise it's a one-one championships. Game. Yeah, it absolutely does. And so I think going to Atlanta, I think NYCFC gets broken down here. Uh, I don't think it really matters that David Villa doesn't get sent off here. I don't. I don't think they have enough to take down Atlanta in Atlanta. So I think this is the end of the road for NYCFC and could be the end of David Villa and MLS. Yeah, and this is kind of why I wasn't convinced by NYCFC. Yes, they could do deal with the Union, a team that I don't think had any idea what they were doing at Yankee Stadium, to be honest. But now we're seeing, you know, how their string of performances have affected them. Losing one nothing at home is really, really tough. Yeah. Well, to the final game of the day, RSL one, Sporting Kansas City one. RSL's first goal is only something only RSL could do. It's nice interchange between Krylak and Rushnak buries the shot Rushnak does and puts RSL up one nothing over Sporting Kansas City. I am to the point now after having seen that game. I am to the point where I am I have flipped completely. I still want I I want RSL to win the MLS Cup now. That that's it. I I am 100% okay with them winning the whole thing. This is where you jinx them. It's when you hated them and they did great. <laughs> Maybe I'm going for the reverse jinx, but I it's just <laughs> I can't even believe this anymore. Now, this is this is still a good result for Sporting KC cuz they do get the away goal, but R- and by the way, RSL concede in only the way RSL can by having a guy who's just subbed into the game smash it home after a terrible giveaway just outside their own 18. Yeah, I think that it was not RSL a good probably RSL. probably should have got out with a one nothing victory here. They shoot themselves in the foot, and I think it's going to come back to bite them. It it absolutely will come back to bite them. But I here's the thing: Sporting KC, I thought were actually pretty bad here. It looked they did not look like they wanted this one all that much. The final like ten fifteen minutes, nothing. Sporting KC created nothing. Yeah, they. I mean, they're lucky to get out with a one-one draw, um, but going home now. RSL's record on the road, barring that LAFC result, I still think Sporting Kansas City is in a great position. That's <laughs> unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Now, I don't. I don't think there's any chance that they get out of that game without conceding. So, uh, it's going to be interesting for sure. Could could see a lot of different scenarios play out there. Uh, Kyrie Shelton for Sporting KC. I, I wanted to call him out because I've done the, I have done it before earlier in the season. I mentioned that I wasn't sure that I was a Kyrie Shelton believer enough to think that this guy could lead the line for a playoff team that has ambitions of winning the whole thing. I, I'm after seeing yesterday, I am fully convinced that the uh, Sporting KC need a striker, and it, it's actually kind of a shame that Dom Dwyer left. I don't think Dom Dwyer. I'm not a big Dom Dwyer. I know fan. you're not a big Dom I'm Dwyer, a- but come on, Kyrie Shelton or Dom Dwyer? You're gonna tell me Dom Dwyer wouldn't make a huge difference? No, I think you find someone else. I think Diego Rubio is their guy. The thing with Kyrie Shelton is look at look at Olivier Giroud. No goals in the World I Cup. I understand. Yeah, wins, I know. I- and he's and he's the talk of the town. 
Shelton's thing for SKC is he runs the channels. He's unselfish. He holds the play up. He's not the guy who's going to get the goals or the assists. He just doesn't do it he, enough for me. I, I I saw it. I'm like, I just he just looks. He's like a black hole. He gets the ball. It doesn't really do anything. He he honestly, you talk about Chelsea strikers, and I know Giroud's contributions are more so noted for France, but he reminds me a little more of Morata last season. Where I mean, the poor Morata, and I've stuck by Morata. I've tried my best to stand up for him and be like, no, no, he's good. He really is good. I promise he's just having a tough time of it. But there was a time last season where Morata would get the ball and it was just like giving it to a black hole because the guy couldn't hold it. He'd get pushed down like he was a like like he was a two by four just kind of standing by itself. Like Kyrie Shelton is frustrating to me because I really like sporting Kansas City, but he frustrates me. Yeah, I, I think they could do with uh, a striker that isn't, uh, Christian Nemeth or Kyrie Shelton. I agree with you on that. But I think Shelton does... And listen, he wasn't great here. He was not. And I'm not trying to say he's the reason they lost this. He, he is by far one of... He, he's one of the reasons, but he is not the reason. He's not even close. So, yeah, I think they could do better given how basically every position they have on the field is a contender for MLS Best 11 uh, without even, you know, breaking the bank. So, yeah, I think if they... They could do with replacing him. Uh, but I, I'd less, I also want to see how he develops. I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit soft for the guy, but I think he offers something, uh, which is more than you can say for some players. This is true. I will give you that. There have been players given many more opportunities that are way less talented than Shelton has shown to be at I times. CJ Sapong comes to mind. Yeah, you can hold it up, but uh, he's. I think Shelton offers a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know. He he's, he is a winger who is you know kind of turned into a forward. So I'd like to see how he develops under Vermees. That's all I'm going to give him. Oh, we'll see. Uh, like I said, Sporting KC. I think they get it done at home and help me. So help me if next time we talk, RSL is going to the Western Conference Finals. So help me. As because it'll be your fault. It will be all my fault. Uh, no Albert Rusnak for them. Yellow card accumulation. I think that's what's going to kill him. That's that's pretty bad. Although, <laughs> rookie of the year, Corey Baird, he's still there. <laughs> yeah, but that's only because there weren't really many other great candidates. That dude, We talked about it earlier yes. this episode. Krylock and Rusnak are their guys. The rest Brooks of the team kind of just... Uh, uh, Brooks Lennon. Yeah, he fills in, right? He he, he does his job. He, he's been serviceable. Uh, I think but he's those two guys. serviceable. I think you're... Come on, now I'm the one complimenting RSL. <laughs> The, all I'm saying is those two guys are a different level. That's, and without okay. them... Okay, yeah. Listen, Brooks Lennon, uh, Justin Glad, uh, Nick Bessler in the back line, yes, they've all been good, but listen, they've been guys who are seventh place in the West level who would be knocked out by LA Galaxy with a win. It's Rusnak and Krylak up top who are the reason why this team can take out LAFC, can f- actually qualify for the playoffs given their credentials, and are just otherwise, you know, making a run for it. All right. Well, we shall see how that goes for them. Again, I don't think it ends well for RSL, but at this point, what do I know? So we move on. Uh, TV times. Again, Seattle versus Portland in Seattle on Thursday, 10.30 p.m. Eastern kick on FS1. Oof. Uh, Good luck if you're on the East Coast for that one. The car show, by the way, is the reason that one's getting played on Thursday. Apparently, they can't, like, have... Uh, the, like the car show is being done nearby or something and they, the parking is too much so the city doesn't allow them to be done at the same time whatever it's nonsense Seattle if there's one drawback to that you know stadium is that ugh. they don't it's not theirs yep 
And, I mean, MLS is still kind of second fiddle to a lot of things. Which is but why I don't think San Diego's San Diego State's bid would get an MLS team if it's the one that comes out victorious today. Yeah, because you don't want any more situations like this. Yeah, and the rest of the games on Sunday return legs: Sporting KC host RSL, 3 p.m. Eastern, ESPN. Uh, Atlanta United host NYCFC should be a big crowd for that one. 5 p.m. Eastern, ESPN, and then uh, New York Red Bulls hosting Columbus Crew, 7:30 Eastern. Hopefully, someone shows up to that one. Red Bulls are notoriously, interestingly attended on FS1. And it's uh, it's do or die time now. It's do or die it's, time. You gotta get. To- as we're twenty, gotta get your tactics right. If you need, I was gonna say we're twenty minutes past our uh, slotted, our allotted time, but it's playoff season, so. And I will uh, apologize, my uh, to the fans. The reason why we're so long is because we got both rounds in after my uh, trip this weekend, made it a little difficult to record. But uh, anyway, that's all the time we have this week on the American Soccer Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us and check out past episodes. You can find us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher, and any wherever podcasts are found for all your American soccer needs. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes and five stars to show us your love. Until next time, I'm Emmett McConnell, alongside Eric Alcantor, signing off.